This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Right, I'm off now. I will see you tomorrow. Half day. And we go again. <laughs> Wembley bounds. Oh, it's just, just started to rain. Hang on, it's duck under here. That's better. That's better. <laughs> I don't want to get too wet. Hello, and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne, and this is an independent England supporters podcast. Fortunately, I'm not the, uh, the superstitious type of person. This tournament and the guys I've met up with, we've met at different pubs, I've got off at different train stops, some of my usual ones. I've worn different shirts to each game. We don't need to talk lucky pants though, uh, we don't need to go down that route. Coming up, we're going to chat with an England blogger on the game and also get your reactions to it. It is of course match day, it is of course Germany, it is of course at home. It's the penultimate round of 16 match. Winners will face either Sweden or Ukraine. Already, we've seen Wales go home at the hands of Denmark. Uh, Italy eventually saw off Austria after extra time. The Czechs saw off the 10 men of Holland. Belgium knocked holders Portugal out with a cracker. Did you see that from Thorgan Hazard? Then Monday, manic Monday. Spain put Croatia out. What a game that was. And to think I said I wasn't impressed by the Spaniards early on. <laughs> this is me eating my words. Switzerland then overcame France after a 3-3 draw. Then winning on penalties. France, favourites, one of, out. What else happened since we last spoke? Oh yeah, this one annoyed me. Uh, the talk of contract extension for Gareth Southgate. It's not something I want to spend a lot of time on now. It's perhaps something... For a later episode, uh, I think this all came out, was it Thursday, Friday last week? Basically, as England were paired against Germany, the FA were asked the question, if we were to be eliminated by Germany, would Gareth keep his job? Ridiculous question, in my opinion, given that a ball hadn't even been kicked. And the FA's chief executive, Mark Bullingham, replied with, our support is unwavering. We are 100% behind Gareth. Gareth knows exactly how we feel about him. We feel he is brilliant both on and off the pitch and we want him to carry on. He's doing a great job regardless of Tuesday. Absolutely. And contract talk like this doesn't help anyone, especially before a crucial game. This isn't the time. People's views become distorted if it doesn't go our way. Not just this afternoon, but later on in the tournament. Knives are going to be out. But let's not forget what Gareth has bought this England team. Third in the list of England managers with wins in tournaments behind Sven-Goran Eriksson and Sir Alf Ramsey. Penalty successes, semi-finals, yes, they're in the past, but World Cup qualification is in progress, where we're currently top of the group. And I think it's clear what side of the fence I'm on, but we'll save this one for another day. Okay, we are in our way through we've got a band inside for this game apparently they're allowed in because the uh, it's a larger attendance 40,000 inside Wembley today 
fortunately I've just got inside just as it started to rain absolutely started to hammer it down which didn't do wasn't ideal for people trying to give their Covid results and show tickets all out in the open but uh, yeah Germany section lots of German flags being being flown towards the far end of the ground here I am just as Germany come out Properly, a lot of German flags waving, a lot of booze from the England fans. But I found my seat, I'm actually in uh, Block 109, which people will recognise as being one of the uh, prominent England supporters areas here at Wembley. We've got an hour until kickoff. the early hours of Wednesday morning I've no charge left in my phone I'm on my way home following the England victory over Germany we've finally done it finally seen off a big nation in a knockout tournament game walking through my hometown high street brings back some memories actually Various pubs that I've watched England losing over the years at major tournaments. France 98. I remember seeing England go out to Argentina over there. England Germany 2000. Saw that one in there. 2004. Waterfront pub or whatever it was called back then. Saw us losing there. So to be walking these streets now, after seeing us win a knockout game against Germany, oh, it's just such a buzz. I remember these streets, I think it was after the... It was after various games that we'd won early in a tournament, all lying in the streets, England fans coming out of the pub, flags over cars, we were, banging on cars, windows and roofs that were driving through the town. Properly inappropriate. That's the excitement that following England brings you. 
Just so glad that I was able to experience that there at Wembley tonight. 2-0 against Germany. Sterling, his third goal of the tournament. Kane finally got off the mark. Tap bar. I'm sure I watched a game in there as well. Just kind of hoping that, even with all the restrictions that there are in place at the moment, that people have been able to celebrate watching England in the pubs that haven't been able to get to Wembley. They've been able to experience the this moment, basically. I managed to catch the Sweden-Ukraine game. What a cruel, cruel way for Sweden to go out. Ukraine, though, we can beat them. Means I've got to find a Ukrainian person to speak to now. My Ukrainian isn't really up to much, I have to be honest. It's just such a shame that it's going to be in a place that we're all unable to get to. So frustrating. Rome. Gladiatorial Rome. But this is me now. Home time. I'll catch you later. Right then, it's time to talk about the Germany game. The voice is is slightly going. Hopefully we'll get through this, but it's almost my pleasure to welcome back from 3lions.net, Aidan Smith. Hello, Aidan. Hi, Russell. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm feeling all good and chipper and every other bright, sparkly word you could think of. 2-0 against Germany. I'm, I'm over the moon. Yourself? Yeah, I, th- I think you'd be surprised to hear anything else, wouldn't you? I mean... <laughs> Going into it, I was so convinced that we were going to lose. I don't know why. I just thought there was anyone on, on that German lineup who could get a goal. And I just didn't feel the same. Having seen our group stage, I know that we're a, a fantastic outfit. And defensively, we've certainly been stronger throughout this tournament than, than I thought we would be. But I didn't see us, you know, knocking, knocking two past the Germans in normal time. I must admit, after well, you look back on our on our group games and and how we played and the the results and the two goals we scored, you think, oh, this this is going to take a uh, take some sort of performance to get past the Germans because in their defence they have got some very good players that that we're all fully aware of. Yeah, they do. They've got, I think, was it four? I think four of their starting lineup were in that World Cup winning team in, in 2014 as well. So they've got that experience, but they've also got some fantastic youth coming through. And actually, I think it was the youth that we needed to be careful of because, you know, the likes of Kai Havertz, Leon Goretzka, and then the two wing backs as well. I mean, they've been dangerous in this tournament up until obviously yesterday when they when they went out. But yeah, we, we had to be careful and I think we kept them at bay pretty much as well as we could have expected. It was that early 15-20 minutes that Germany had a, a fair amount of possession. They didn't do anything really, or they didn't do enough with it, but we weathered it enough to uh, let that pass by and we could slowly uh, get into the game. Yeah, I think it was important that we we got past that stage you know a lot of, the players have recognized that in the in the post match interviews and and things that i've that i've been listening to they knew that in the first 10 15 minutes their their backs were against the wall and and you know we were kind of struggling to do we go and press do we sit in do we kind of 
you know, it was it was I think hard to to um, get to grips with executing that game plan just as they as they had rehearsed. But I think after that, yeah, I, I was saying to a few of my friends, I was saying Germany were on top of that game for one sixth. You know, fifteen minutes out of night, we 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 had the rest of it. But from fifteen minutes onwards, I felt completely in in control of the game. That counts for a lot in in knockout games. You know, you can win the game counterattacking with with five minutes of excellence where you grab a goal or two. But we didn't do that. The plan was to take the game to the Germans, to be aggressive all over the pitch, and I think we executed that really well. So you went into the the game feeling nervous, and then once that fifteen twenty minutes had passed. So your emotions kind of changed, did they then? When did you start becoming confident? Well, I tell you what, I, I actually I actually didn't feel nervous in the lead up to the game because from my perspective, I'm kind of past that point now of, of oh, you know, do we, let's, let's hope that, you know, this team loses in their game so we don't have to play them and we get an easier run and all of that. I, I just, I don't really believe in that anymore. I kind of think if you're going to be the best team in Europe or the best team in the world, then you've got to beat the best team. So it doesn't really matter which side of the draw you get you get chosen on again I was looking at the the Sweden Ukraine game after our game and I you know I was thinking well, it doesn't really matter who wins we've got to beat them whoever it is if we want to go to to a semi-final at Wembley I was sort of of the belief that if we beat them if we beat Germany then that's obviously that's fantastic we, you know we've shown that, that that we can do that and I, and I mentioned in my match report that was our first competitive win in a, in a major tournament against a major nation for the first time since beating Argentina in 2002. That was huge for us. We couldn't have lost that game. We, we couldn't have dealt with it again. On the other hand, if we'd have lost, I, I almost feel like, well, we, we wouldn't have won the tournament anyway if we, if we can't beat the Germans. So we may as well have gone out now, if you know what I mean. I understand where you're coming from. And, and yeah, I want to touch on the, obviously, the beating of the big nation. It's another one of these milestones that Gareth Southgate has ticked off really we've we've got past the penalties got to the semi-final stage we've now knocked this hoodoo of a big nation knocking one out in a in a tournament in a European Championships tournament which which is great yeah I mean this team is breaking down barriers you can say what you want about Southgate and and how whatever you think about his tactical nous but you know we're, we're achieving all these things all these landmarks that have bothered us and our and our country for so long on the pitch and uh, you know that last night was the first time that we've won a Euros knockout game in normal time so all these things that are getting broken down that that, that we're achieving you know the these players are writing their own history and I think that's so important to just not be bothered by the past and Gareth was saying in the lead up to the game that you know I, I've got to be careful that I don't kind of make it too much about kind of getting revenge or, or, or righting the wrongs of before or bring any kind of personal emotion that I've got into into the fixture from from his experiences, obviously, in, in 96. He's got to be careful because a lot of those players weren't even born then or weren't even into football then. They were just, yeah. you know, yeah. youngsters back then and maybe hadn't even joined an academy by then, you know. So he's got to be careful to, to make sure that everything that he's feeding them is succinct but also relevant to them kind of they're able to kind of identify with everything that he's saying and and kind of understand that because otherwise I think you can the players can can kind of get lost in it and sort of not really understand it or um I think we've been in danger of that before so um yeah I, I think it's fantastic that we're breaking down barriers and they're writing their own history that penalty miss obviously that Gareth 
refers to i mean it's only brought up because probably the media bring it up um and obviously in this particular game the germany game is is where it became relevant again it's never going to go away but he's net for the this tournament that's gone hopefully that we we needn't talk about it anymore really it must do it must really annoy him and frustrate him obviously because of what it is but just the needless times it comes up and I realise I'm bringing it up again. Yeah, no, obviously, yeah. Do you know what? I, I think it still bothers him. I still think he's guilty about the fact that the other, I think it was 22-man squads back then, so the, the other 20, 21 players in that England team lost out on a chance to play a, a final because of him. And I think that, that goes around in his head, and I don't think that'll ever go away for him. He's also said at the other end of the spectrum that, that this game was not about revenge. It was not a, a, a personal battle for... For him, it was just another game that they had to approach in the same way. Obviously, it's in the back of your mind. Yeah, I think I think that can be put to rest. And and what he's doing as a manager, I think he's there's a possibility that he's going to have exceeded his uh, legacy as a player by you know his his management with England. So you know, I, I think it's really important for him on a personal level. But everyone knows it's not really about him. He, you know, he'll be the first to say it's not about me. It's it's about the team, and it's it's just another game. And um, there's a certain truth to that. I think you've got to you've got to be of that mindset. I think if you're going to be a winner, they say it's not about him, but he's the one that has to make the changes when need be. And he was the one that made the change to to take off Bukayo Saka and bring on Jack Grealish. And and some would say that was the turning point in the game because that was last twenty minutes was okay. I don't think maybe Jack Grealish had the impact that we know he can have, but he certainly he's coming on g'd the crowd up um and he had his his few touches and and provided the the goal for Kane as well but Gareth Southgate knew when to change it yeah uh, Saka was brilliant in the first half and Grealish was pivotal to to both of the goals when he came on I think it's so dangerous as, as as an England manager to get caught up in that kind of what's what's everyone what's the general public saying what are they thinking I've got a cover my own back that I don't just completely lose them or they become, you know, kind of disillusioned with, with the national team. That's, that's important that he doesn't get caught up in all of that because then he will start acting with, I believe, less authority. You know, he, he won't, he won't make the bold decisions that, that have, have won him games. I, you know, the problem now, I think these days is, is with social media, everything is so reactionary. You know, one minute, everyone is loving Jack Grealish and everything, like loving Phil Foden, whatever. And then Bukayo Saka has 90 minutes of good football and suddenly everyone's saying, oh, well, where's Phil Foden at this tournament? You know, where's, where's Jack Grealish? And, and then as soon as Grealish comes on, everyone was, everyone was wanting Grealish to come on on social media. As soon as he comes on against Scotland, gets his first minutes and we don't win, it's all about, oh, where was Jaden Sancho? Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's laughable, really, uh, what, what goes on on social media. And I think it's, it's so important for the players, but most importantly, Gareth, to stay away from that. Don't get involved in that because you just don't need to because it will just muddle your mind and you won't be able to make those bold decisions. He was saying in his interview after the game that the lineup that he put out, he knows it's an unpopular lineup. I mean, I was, I was looking on social media before the game. Everyone was saying, oh, what? No creative midfielder, no attacking midfielder. What's going on here? Three at the back. Oh, we're dead. The Germans have won, you know. And he said, you know, if, if we lose today, I'm, I'm dead. You know, I'm, I'm killed. You know, I'm going to get slaughtered online and, and, and I'm going to get texts through my phone saying, what have you just done? 
but it, it it came off. And and I think in these key moments, obviously we've only been to two tournaments with Gareth, but more often than not, these bold decisions, they have come off for him. You need that bit of luck as a manager. You need that luck that, well, it's not really luck. It obviously 18 months of, of planning have gone into that Germany game uh, in case we've, we've had to play them. And I think he will have had a pretty firm idea of, of the best way to approach that. I saw, I'm sure you watched the, uh, the thriller with, uh, with Germany and Portugal in the group stage. Yep. I, I felt a very naive performance from Portugal. I think they didn't react. They didn't, um, what's the word? They didn't adapt really to, um, to Germany's system. I think they left so much space for Kimmich and, and Gerson's on the wings in, in playing a back four that they did uh, uh, Portugal. We, we're just getting a bit savvier as a team. I think we, we're just able to adapt more. And that was another thing that pleased me was the fact that, okay, three group stage games with four at the back. We actually haven't played three at the back since November last year. So that's a bold decision. And, and I was almost pleased when I saw the lineup. I thought, yeah, okay, I, I prefer the four at the back. But, okay, we know that Gareth is now reacting. We know that he's adapting to, to the opposition. If he'd have just done four at the back, he'd have thought, Okay, this is a bit similar to Russia. We're not really changing it based on who we're playing. But I felt we did yesterday. You only need to look at the lineup to see that. And I think, yeah, it paid off and you need those bits of luck in tournaments. Yeah. So when Luke Shaw crossed and Raheem Sterling tucked it in, what were your feelings then? Where where were you watching the game? I was um round at my friend's house in a their little cabin in the garden and we had the big screen up. It felt like a fan park, even if it wasn't. I don't, yeah. uh, there was no beer thrown around. I, I will say that, but um, yeah. But no, it was it was fantastic. I, as I say, I, as much as we control the game, I always thought the Germans have got a goal in them in in any of these ninety minutes. All it takes is twenty seconds. They could play a long ball. They could do something absolutely magic with one of those midfielders. Tony Kroos could pull the strings and and create something, and they can score. And 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 they didn't. And when it went in, I, I was yeah, it was. It was magnificent because I, I I just thought yeah this is this is not the way it goes this is this is not the script with England and I love that that we're we're breaking it down now and we're we're just going completely against what's I guess what's supposed to happen it feels like what what has happened before and um, and then to go and get the second as well I feel like in this tournament we could have done with before this game but you know going on a little counter on eighty seven minutes or something like that and, and and just getting that second goal just to as an assurance and we did that and uh, there's there's not a lot to re- to really complain about with that performance I can't lie no and that was exactly what Harry Kane needed wasn't it just to get on the score sheet in this tournament yeah I mean everyone knows with with Harry Kane stri- strikers love scoring goals and, and and so does he he's no different I think it's not really for him I don't think he dwells as much on Oh, I missed that big chance. I missed that. You know, he had one against the Czech Republic, failed to really impose himself in the first two games, had had a chance right on half time last night uh, where he tried to take it round Neuer. And I don't think he really dwells on them. It's all really just about, okay, the next chance, I'm going to score it. I'm going to score the next chance. Do you know what? I think the next chance was the goal, uh, which was a good 35, 40 minutes later, which some people might find is a problem, but that, that, that's why you don't bring Kane off, I, I think. Just bring him on because he's always got a goal in him. Always got a goal in him. I think it was bold to leave, to leave Calvert-Lewin out of the 23-man squad for the for the game anyway. But you just, yeah, just leave Kane on, get him a goal and a knockout goal as well. I mean, that, that would do him a world of good. One other player that I want to to mention, and, and it ties in with what you said about Germany always being capable of a goal, 
and it was when Sterling gave the ball away. Muller ran through with it, and and I, I think I must have had my head in my hands for about five seconds and sort of looking through my fingers. But that one player is Jordan Pickford, who, who not only had a a great game yesterday, done exactly what he needed to, but he's had a great tournament so far, hasn't he? He has. He really has. I mean, he he finished the season very strongly with with Everton. It, it must be said. I think he's just in a really good place at the moment. I think that's that's all it is, really. He's just in a great place. He's got a fantastic back line in front of him, whether it's three or four or five, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I, th- I think he's just in a great place. And four clean sheets. I mean, I know it's not all down to him, but it says a lot. Having having conceded eight goals in 2018 in, in, in seven games in the World Cup, we kept one clean sheet, I think it was, against Sweden. That was it. In, in the seven games and here we've got four we have we're yet to concede a goal I mean it's it's fantastic for him yeah I, I just I can't complain and I don't feel worried about about when he when he gets the ball at his feet or or you know when there's a, a player running through on goal I did get worried about the Muller chance I can't, I can't lie but um, usually I don't get worried that's just because it was Germany and, and Thomas Muller and all the history he's got with England I uh, just yeah that was a one-off I swear <laughs> <laughs> so Germany gone they're out. We've pushed them to one side. It's Ukraine next. I know you said whoever we face, we will have to beat them anyway. But what do you see? Do you fear? Ukraine have got a goal in them. That's that's the first thing to say. Ukraine have got a goal in them, definitely. I think we can easily break Ukraine down if if we find the right pockets of space, if we analyse their games that they've had so far in the right ways, figure out how to exploit them. As long as we're we're safe at the back, I think we can do it. I mean, they played a four at the back against against Holland, so it could be the same against us. Uh, I think we play in a pretty similar way to Holland, so you you can only speculate, really. But um, I feel confident. I do feel confident of a place in the in the semi-finals, and then even in the semi-finals, it's going to be either Denmark or, or the Czech Republic. I feel confident there, even though I I know we we don't have a great record recently against Denmark. We were kind of here three years ago when the draw opened up after the round of sixteen, and we thought. Oh, you know, oh, it's coming home. It's coming home. Everyone knows it's coming home. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Though yeah. it's coming home, um, and uh, I think it was just a bit dangerous that kind of mindset that we've we've already won it. It just doesn't. It never ever ends well when you go in with that mindset. So it was very good to hear Southgate after the game yesterday saying that in the dressing room they're already talking about Saturday, which uh, put a smile on my face because I know that we're we're in good hands there. So I, yeah, I, d- I don't fear Ukraine. I know that they've that they're able to get a goal from pretty much nothing, which is something we've just got to be careful of. We need to be, you need to be fully focused for ninety five, hundred minutes against these sides. Um, otherwise, you'll 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 get beaten with a with a one nil or something like that. We just yeah, the, the win last night doesn't mean anything if we if we can't get through to the semifinals. Absolutely. Let's just take it one game at a time. Aiden, yeah. thank you, thank you very much for your time as always, and. Well, let's we'll see how this the rest of these games pan out, and uh, we we may speak again. Yeah, I'd enjoy that. Thank you very much to Aiden. There, you can follow him on Twitter, and he's also got the website threelions.net, and he's regularly updating uh, that with various England reports as we go through this tournament. Hopefully, many more to come. Right, uh, as always, we've done throughout this tournament. We've heard from you, the fans, and once again, you've been very kindly emailing in your thoughts of the game against Germany. So, uh, yeah, let's let's roll through those. Hi, Russell. Dan in Birmingham. 
What a day, what a night, what a match, what a performance, what a stadium, what a crowd. Uh, absolutely loved every second of it. It's coming home, everything's falling into place. Saturday's going to be just as good. Obviously a massive shame we can't be there, but we'll be there in spirit and we'll all be back at Wembley next Wednesday for the uh, penultimate game uh, before we lift the trophy on Sunday. Go on, England! Hi, I'm David Airy. England fan with no snazzy Twitter handle. Recording this the morning after, the night before, as you can hear. Waiting to on the tactics as I back whatever Southgate goes with, but special mention to Aaron Maguire. Think he holds a key defensively and deserves huge applause. We must keep him fit. Atmosphere yesterday was something else. Not sure where the empty seats were. Maybe they were hidden under the turquoise trampolines. Time for the expats to step up in Rome. Ukraine are no mugs, but if we're going with a game plan, then maybe, just maybe. Oh my God, Gary from Channel England Football on YouTube. Sorry, I've just calmed down. What a result. It feels different now, doesn't it? It feels like this may be our time. First time in my time, England's beaten any major team in a knockout round. And I'm going to say it, it's coming home. You know, we've just got to take each game as it comes now. Not mess it up and, oh, come on England. Nothing, nothing feels better than this, does it? Come on England, I absolutely love it. Richard Cook here once again from the Outer Hebrides and what can I say that was an amazing result and as I said pre-match in Southgate we trust and he absolutely delivered on that so happy with the result and the win and living on a Scottish island the Scottish fans have gone very quiet all of a sudden bring on Ukraine on Saturday I cannot wait Hey Russell, it's Sam here from It's Coming Home TV. Just, just I think the whole country needed that game today. It was unbelievable. Um, it was when you look back on it now, it was a tactical masterclass from Southgate. The way he um, brought Grealish on, um, and that really made the difference in the game. Um, and onto Ukraine now in Rome, and hopefully we can bring it back for uh, the semi uh, at Wembley next week. It's coming home. Come on! Hello, it's Matt here from Bristol and the Matt's YouTube channel. I thought England were okay. I'd say they deserved the win. Not a lot happened. There were a few moments here and there. Some might say England didn't play well. You don't have to play well to win games, especially if you're a big team. And the big difference was England took their chances and <clears throat> Germany did not, especially that one at the end. Hello, Russell. This is Gary from Walthamstow. Yeah, England get through. Um, they went 2-0 against Germany, but even then, it's still a pretty average performance against an average team. Germany could have scored, Müller should have scored. They had other chances, Havertz a couple of times. It just worries me. You know, yeah, they may they may get through the quarterfinals, but when they play someone good, they're going to lose. Southgate doing OK. Um, substitution's OK, but, but still pretty average. Oh, it's good to hear from you, the fans there. Lots of positivity. Although that last one has uh, perhaps brought us back down to earth a little bit. Although perhaps that's what we need, not to get too carried away. Uh, thanks as always. And we'll do the same after the Ukraine game, I think. And speaking of which, let's speak to Andrew Todos, Ukrainian football expert. Andrew, hello there. You all right? Hi, Russell. Thanks for having me. Um, looking forward to chatting a bit more about Ukraine, hopefully getting a bit more about the team that people don't know about out there. 
Yeah, I think so. But first, let's cross this uh, this little bridge. That's not a Ukrainian accent, is it? No, it's not. Born <laughs> and raised in London. Born in Wembley, actually. A, a street behind uh, the old Wembley Stadium. Lived there for the first eight years of my life. So close connections to the home of football. You didn't go to the same school as Raheem Sterling, did you? No, I didn't. But close enough. Close okay. enough. Um, and yeah, first ever England game was at was uh ukraine england so it's all coming full circle for me this weekend magic so and, and you've got ukrainian family that's where the link comes in is it yeah exactly okay great stuff i'm gonna hold my hands up i think i've only seen one full ukraine game in this tournament because i think the rest of either clashed with something or i just haven't seen it the first one against holland uh i saw a couple of cracking goals uh, from Ukraine in that, and I thought they were a little bit unlucky. And then last night, I saw I saw the game there in the pub, um, so it was it was on. I, I was distracted, to be fair, until that last minute. Um, <laughs> but so, if you're one of the third place finished teams, you kind of quietly sort of come through this, haven't you? To find yourself in this position now, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been to all four matches. Um, went to Amsterdam and to Bucharest and was at, was in Glasgow last night wow. um, due to my media work. And yeah, I mean, that first Holland game, valiant performance, but you know, ultimately lost probably just because there was a bit more class in that Netherlands team and a few keeper mistakes. Second game, we played North Macedonia, beat them 2-1, almost perfect first half. And then second half was just got a bit shaky and not really sure where the nerves came from. And then that final group game against Austria, 1-0 loss, but Ukraine really showed nothing. And after that match, everyone was like, well, is that it really? Um, you know, has Shevchenko's team that have been like, that went unbeaten in the qualifying campaign, uh, beating the likes of Portugal and Serbia and finishing top and actually being one of the top seeds in the Euro draw ending up finishing third and going out of the tournament. And then obviously, as luck came through, Sweden helped keep Ukraine in the tournament, ironically. And uh, (laughs) Ukraine knocked them out last night. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, going into the tournament, I mean, obviously you said about you'd gone through unbeaten. So there, there must have been a bit of positivity going into it. What? What was sort of Shevchenko's objective on, on sort of the, what would the, the Ukrainian public have been happy with? So going into the tournament, obviously qualifying finished in 2019. Um, a lot of people were expecting probably a bit more luck had the tournament yep. come through last year. But, you know, a bit of that momentum as we were talking about that unbeatenness sort of got a bit stagnant during the Nations League, had a few losses against Germany. Um, beat Spain, though, and then had a few disappointing results at the start of World Cup qualifying earlier this year with a draw against Finland and a draw against Kazakhstan, but also drawing with France one all. So <laughs> one of those. But ultimately, going into the tournament, Shevchenko publicly stated that the main goal was to get out of the group. Yeah. And they got out of the group, albeit not on their own, not on their own accord, but still made it out. And I mean, yesterday's result, well, the result against Sweden really helped 
you know, sort of redeem Ukraine after that woeful Austria performance. And here they are um, on the verge of, you know, a potential semi-final. And also the fact that it's their first ever Euro uh, quarterfinal after getting through to the knockout rounds for the first time ever in the Euros as well. So it's just history upon history, really. Yeah, because previous Euros haven't really gone to plan. 2012 and 2016 were both group stage exits. Um, and we haven't seen you in the World Cup for a good few years now either. So, so yeah, this is all good. It must be be good feeling in, in Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of hopes put on this team, despite, you know, the stagnation maybe over the over recent months, but still due to that qualifying campaign, the fact that Shevchenko's the head coach and the fact that they've got a good crop of players, you know, a few that are playing in top leagues, Malinovsky at Atalanta, Yarmolenko obviously maybe not at his top form for West Ham, but still, you know, playing in the Premier League and obviously Alexander Zinchenko, probably the star man that most England fans will be most familiar with. So, yeah. It's going to be, it's however it ends. I think it's been a success. Yeah. Oh, you've mentioned him a few times there, Shevchenko. He's he's an idol back in Ukraine, isn't he? I mean, as a player, I mean, we all remember him playing for the likes of Milan, Chelsea, and Dynamo Kiev as well. It, his stock just must be going higher and higher. That's the thing. Um, prior to the tournament there was talks that he wants to go into club management, right? And where he'll end up in the future, no one really knows because this national team job was his first job in in management, which he came into in 2016. And it's been his only job so far. And, you know, adjusting from international football to a club game is going to be hard. And obviously it depends on what sort of level he wants to drop down to after such a prestigious job, you know, for himself personally. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But there were going to be questions asked had they not made it through to um, round of 16. But now they have and now they've got to the quarterfinals. I think he cemented himself as one of, you know, Ukraine's all-time greatest managers as well as their players. Yeah. So it is, we are we are meeting. It's England uh, in the quarterfinal. I mean, I, I'm guessing you've, you've got a little bit of split loyalties. Um, what, what have your thoughts been on England? They've impressed. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, Southgate's got the, the tactics spot on, I think. He's, you know, got them well regimented. And that display against Germany was rather impressive too. You know, defensively well organised. Not, you know, outscoring opposition outrageously but still getting the goals when they're needed and you know the fact that Kane's got off the mark might not be the best sign for Ukraine going into it although just going to put a caveat that I guess there's no there's a lot less pressure on Ukraine they're going into this basically anything's a bonus now we can play for fun for free we've got the fan support on our side and I guess we'll see whether that comes into it for for England obviously with you know, the chance of football's coming home already bearing down on the shoulders of, of the team. I mean, we only have to look at the likes of Switzerland to see, or, or France, if you take your eye off the ball for a uh, for a moment. Yeah, that I, I don't like really the term underdog, but that lower team can can still come through. I mean, history-wise between the two nations, it's, it's not been a massively, well, obviously because of the uh, the nature of, of the country of Ukraine, but we've played seven times, we've won four, or England have won four, it's been drawn twice and only lost once, which was a World Cup qualifier, I believe, and 
was it Rob Green got sent yeah. off, I believe. Yeah, remember that one. But the most recent meeting, 2013, it was a bit of a well, World Cup qualifier, nil-nil. But the only mm-hmm. time we've met in, uh, in, in battle, <laughs> I guess, um, was during Euro 2012. It's a game that I went to in... Now, you're going to have to correct me how to pr- right way to pronounce this. Is it... Donetsk. Don- Donetsk, not Donetsk. No. No, yeah. no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you go to that one yourself? Unfortunately, I was doing my GCSEs, <laughs> so <laughs> I couldn't make it. <laughs> You've aged yourself there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that was a game that um, the England won, won there. Wayne Rooney scored. It was either just before halftime or just after halftime, I think, with a with a header that basically he couldn't miss. So and the famous yeah. ghost goal as well in that one. Um yes, towards you're the end right. John Terry got got it over the goal line and you know, the rest is history. The famous Specsavers ad that a lot of Ukrainians remember um the next day was like you should have gone to Specsavers, but it was written in Ukrainian and it was in all the papers in uh, in England. Yes, I remember that now. Yeah, I've, well, the days of VAR now, that all goal Absolutely. line technology, you'd have the ref tapping on his watch. Um, that would have buzzed. Yeah, you're right. I'd forgotten about that one. One thing, obviously, I mean, you, you've said that you've been to the the four Ukrainian games across Europe. Are you, are you heading out to Rome for this one? I've applied for accreditation. If it comes through, I might be able to get a little bit of a quarantine, you know, cut off if, if that makes sense is that um, how it works just for, with accreditation for, yeah so you can go to like matches and stuff no. but you can't go into like restaurants um yes. and you know like only for work purposes mm. essentially so if that comes through i'll be off otherwise we'll probably be watching it somewhere in the uk what do you know i mean about ukrainian expats in italy are, is there a um a population over there that are going to the game what do you know about potential people going there so I read this morning that there's about 240,000 Ukrainians over there in Italy. Um, Quite a sizable diaspora population, apparently, due to the fact that, you know, a lot of them can work freely in the EU. And that's where a lot of them have settled. So we'll see how many actually turn up, because I know there's obviously restrictions on England fans going. Mm. And... The same for, you know, the other EU countries where Ukrainians live, you know, like Germany, France, etc. I'm sure a fair amount will be going down. So that's another caveat in this, you know, puzzle of a match where, you know, first England game away for them this tournament. So we'll see how it plays out. It's like a, uh, it's like an old school FA Cup semi-final being played on neutral grounds, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you you might say you're the underdog or no pressure, but it, it really could go any way. Well, I mean, what what are your personal thoughts? I think it might go to penalties for oh. every reason, and then and then it's anyone's game. I'm not going to comment on that. But our keeper has been looking pretty sharp in um, in training from the few clips I've seen of him saving penalties, and he's even been attempting a few penenkas. So um, oh. who knows? Well, him and Jordan Pickford, he's capable of taking a penalty <laughs> exactly. as well. Could be an interesting one. You yourself do a ukrainian say you spoken website and podcast um yourself you're gonna to have to pronounce the website for me and, and maybe sure. just explain it a little bit for us yeah so i run the social media sites and website uh, called zoria londonsk it's named after the team zoria lahansk but as i'm from london i thought i'll just add a little caveat into that and you know a bit of play on words and yeah, basically, I just cover Ukrainian football in English, 
there's not much access to Ukrainian football outside of Russian or Ukrainian language media. And, you know, I thought that was underrepresented and started this thing, resource, you'd, you can call it, um, in 2018. And yeah, from strength to strength ever since, really, um, a bigger interest in Ukrainian football, which is great. And, you know, this week is one year anniversary of um, a podcast I started with two other uh, friends of mine. Um, it's called Ukraine Plus Football, and you can find it on all the good podcast providers. And we talk about anything and everything to do with Ukrainian football in English. So it makes it a bit more accessible for, you know, people finding out about that. And we'll be having an episode soon about analysing the Sweden game and hopefully previewing the England one. Good stuff. All right. Well, we will uh, we'll link to it on the uh, on the Three Lions podcast social media, and yeah, we'll look forward to the game, Andrew. Thanks, Russell. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Andrew Todos there for the Ukrainian insights ahead of the game on Saturday, the 3rd of July in Rome, Italy. Kickoff, 8 o'clock, and it's being shown here on BBC One. Thanks also go to Aidan Smith, and you can find his match reports at 3lions.net. And as always, thank you for listening, tuning in, wherever or however you digest your podcasts. Either when you're doing the dishes or having it on in the car, going to the local tip. Thank you. And if that was you who tapped me on the shoulder on Tuesday night outside of Wembley and just said you enjoyed the podcast and quickly walked on, thank you too. Apologies though, you caught me in a moment with a can of Fosters in my hand. Don't judge me. (laughs) Now I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back very soon looking back on the Ukraine game with another England blogger. And don't forget you can follow the podcast on all the social media channels, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast. I don't know where I'm watching it yet, but I imagine many of those pubs I mentioned earlier on, I bet they're all fully booked up. But like you, wherever you watch it, enjoy it. Let's hope for a semi-final place and another Gareth Southgate hurdle overcome. Cheers. <laughs>